0: session
1: with Dr. Fadid Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi and I'll be with you for the next 2 hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so we can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any psychological or emotional issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number, 310 4410 I wanted to again announce the book of the week for this week. It is The Cyber Effect by Mary Aiken. The Cyber Effect, an expert in cyber psychology, explains how technology is shaping our children, our behavior, and our values, and what we can do about it by Dr. Mary Aiken. It's a very good book, um, about 100 or so pages into it, and uh, she knows what she's talking about and really looking at the effect technology is having on us uh, psychologically. So it's been a great read. So far, hope you'll join me when I discuss it Monday night. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air.
2: Hi, Dr. Farid Holakwee. Thank you for taking my call.
1: Sure, thank you for calling.
2: Thank you. I do apologize if I'm just a little bit nervous and stressed.
1: Okay, that's all right. I'm
2: in a bad situation with my nephew right now.
1: Okay, that's Uh, all right. Go ahead.
2: uh, Can you text her to go online so she can... Uh, So my nephew is 19 years old. Mm -hmm. He's never been diagnosed with anything because he refuses to go to any doctors. Okay. He dropped out of high school. They moved here from Iran. I've lived here for 30 years We're in Northern California. He, they uh, moved here when he was fifth grade or sixth grade. Okay. The middle school was fine. He was acting up, uh, but he was fine. And uh, when he went to high school, there was a lot of issues at school, so they you know, referred him to a psychologist. Mom went, and then when it was his turn, he refused to go. So, like, I'm not crazy. You guys are crazy. Uh, They kicked him out of school. Then we put him back, put him into those programs that they can get GED. Mm -hmm. He got kicked out of that, too. In the past two and a half years, I want to say, he's been uh, going back and forth to Iran, because he wants to be with his dad. They've been divorced for about 14 years. Mm. And, um, but he doesn't stay there. So he's not going to school. He doesn't stay there. Last time that he came back here was about two months ago. And um, since then, you know, he, he steals from the places that he's at. So he got kicked out of the apartment. He moved to Sacramento. Two weeks later, he came back. Apparently, he was kicked out. He cannot hold a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to look at my notes to see if I missed anything or not.
1: Well, t- let me, uh, does he have any siblings?
2: He has one brother.
1: Okay, how old is the he, brother?
2: Uh, he, the brother is three years older. He's 21 and he's 19. The brother okay. is good. You know, um, he uh, he goes to school, he works. Uh, because of his situation, they got evicted from the place that they could afford. Mm-hmm. So I took my older nephew and uh, my uncle took him, which he was going back, like, you know, he didn't want to stay there. These are all, like, the past three years. Right now our situation is that he, like, two days, he went to the homeless shelter, and then he said, like, I don't want to be a homeless here, I want to go to Iran. We got a ticket for him to go to Iran with his dad. Two days now he's in Istanbul, Turkey. He, refused, he, lost, he missed his flight, ticket gone. He refused to go to Iran that you know he, and we don't feel he's safe here because mm-hmm. like I, I don't know if there is a way that if he comes back here we can get him the help that he needs legally because he's over age. Uh, he's over 18. Right. Mm-hmm. So my question is are there any programs like you know because honestly uh, he can get himself in a lot of legal trouble. And also, like, if he's in the streets,
1: you don't know what happens to him. Oh, sure. Um, this seems like a very difficult situation. And one thing we have to accept is that we can't help someone who doesn't want help or doesn't know they or think they have a problem. And it exactly. seems like that's my, maybe what you're dealing with. So at some level, yes, I know you're going to want to try everything you can, but we have to accept that we can't um, change him if he doesn't want to get help in any way, especially, as you said, because he's over 18 you can't force him, you know, to do anything. Um, it seems very concerning. He seems very unstable, whether it's um, a, a personality thing, if he has bipolar, I don't know exactly what's going on, and we can maybe talk a bit yeah, more about he's him.
2: Been, he's been hyperactive since he was, a, like, a child. He's always been hyperactive. Mm-hmm. I can tell you a little bit of history. I sure. know it's hard to diagnose him, like, you know, from what I say, but, like, you know, hopefully it will help. He's been hyperactive uh he, is, um, he lies, uh, he manipulates. he doesn't stay at school. he cannot hold a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, he, he refuses he says there's nothing wrong with me and like I mean mom tried. Mom tried to take him you know to get him help here, even when he was a minor. He refused to go. And our worries is, you know how it is on in the street with the kids. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I know for the fact that he does, like, weed, at least, because mm-hmm. he, was, he was caught.
1: Well, that's not, I mean, I wouldn't be so concerned about if he's smoking marijuana is not the, the worst thing. It seems like we have bigger things going on, like him living on the streets or, you know, not being able to maintain anything, a job or school. Now, if there's other drugs and if he has an addiction, yes, that, that's a big concern. It's possible he does. I'm, guess, I'm
2: pretty sure he does I know I don't yeah. know that for a fact but I can right. guess that he does
1: and the the feeling I get about him is that he feels very bad about himself but he maybe sometimes has some um, fantasies about himself of being really great or good or he's gonna make it big does he does he talk about stuff like that? Like, he's going to somehow... You know,
2: yes, about three weeks ago, like, you know, when... um, No, two weeks ago, when, you know, he told me that, like, you know, take me to the shelter. I wish I could take him in. I have a 12-year-old daughter at home, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I do have responsibilities toward her. Being.
1: Yeah, you do.
2: So, I honestly, I don't... I didn't feel safe.
1: No, I think that's not... A, yeah, you just, you know, there's a good chance you can't help him, and you would just really put yourself and your daughter in a, a bad situation. In so. a bad situation,
2: yeah. and I don't want that. I want to just do the... The right thing and the smart thing and the correct thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, So when I was taking him to the shelter, he told me, I want to prove myself that I can do, like, you know, you were here in this country by yourself, you managed, you didn't get any help from anybody. And so, like, that's not true. I had help. You know, I just did not abuse my help. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody helped me, and so, like, you know, I can help you if you want to get help. We got you a room. You stole your roommate's watch, so they kicked you out. You know, you had another room. You took the laptop or a tablet, and they kicked you out. And uh, you do all these things. You what you need to do? Just you need to realize that you know. Of course, you can do it, but like you know, just the helps that you get, try to use it. Don't abuse
1: it. Mm-hmm. Well, and he needs more help than he's been getting. I'm not saying you guys haven't done a lot for Absolutely. him. He needs psychological Absolutely. help. Um, you know, he, does, he seems like he's not doing well at all, clearly. And we have to allow for him to make his decisions too. So we can't, we can't make it for him. But what I would say is when, when you guys talk to him and say he, he needs help, this is something I always talk about because he's going to get very defensive if you tell him he needs a psychologist, even though you're right. He needs help desperately. Um, but if you can instead connect with him where he's hurting, because clearly he's not happy, he's not feeling good about his life, and if you can find a way to connect with him at his pain, where he doesn't feel good or where he um, doesn't feel good about his life or he worries or he's sad, that's a better entry point than telling him, look, you messed up here, you messed up there, you're bad in this way, you're sick in this way, you have to go see someone. That's just going to make him more and more defensive and also more likely to hide and lie from you guys because he feels that anything... Negative, he says, is going to be added to his list of negative things or ways that you guys are going to put him down. So we have to be careful and not just constantly pushing him away. Uh, the situation you're describing, we I want to be hopeful, but um, I also recognize that he, he seems like he's in a pretty desperate place. Now look, he's in a
2: very desperate yeah. place. Yeah.
1: Now you know, and also another part of connecting at his pain is you know his parents got divorced at four or five years of age for him, he was, he was very young, and then he now is here and his father's in a different country. My guess is there's some um, pain that he has there. Was their divorce a painful one? Do you know much about what happened there?
2: And absolutely, just like that was my next point. Um, well, you know, I don't want to go back to the point that whose fault was that and no, you that's did that not, and yeah. you did that, but his pain from the time that he came here was why everybody else has a father and I don't. Mm-hmm. the father made a lot of mistakes you know he made very poor choices in the life that's how my sister was able to get the custody and when they got you know the green cards um so they came here so it was a fresh start for him he didn't want to have anything to do with them he never paid um he talks to him once in a while now he, that he's been going back and forth they're more connected but right now he doesn't even want to talk to him from i spoke with the father today right before your show Mm -hmm. and he said i've been trying to get him and you know the the father doesn't
1: want to talk with him or he doesn't want to talk with the father
2: he doesn't want to talk with the father so like you know the only thing that you can do for me is get me a ticket back to the state that's what he says to to his father that's what he told his father like i don't want to come to iran i want to go back to state but here you're out of options to help him
1: yeah well i guess i mean because you're saying because he's not willing to work or he can't do anything productive
2: he like you know he says okay i do this and then two days later it's totally different
1: yeah i mean again he's, he's someone very difficult to accept and sometimes we have to accept that we we can only do so much you know he's someone very hard to help um so I think all you can do is to try to help him or support him, but realize he needs help. And even, you know, from his mom, she can apologize for the pain he's gone through. I know he's done a lot of things now, and we can focus on those, but he had a difficult childhood. And the way you're describing the had, father. You know, he had yeah. a very
2: difficult childhood. And
1: also, you know, the older brother, even the way you described him, oh, he's good, you know, so he, he's constantly feeling this less than, not good enough feeling. Uh, compared to him so he's in a tough place and uh, you know if if you talk to him as much as you do have to set boundaries and take care of yourselves and not be fooling yourselves but we want to show him that we recognize he's been through a lot and especially from his mom less from you it's going to matter but if the mom can apologize to him for everything he's been through and the pain and that I've hurt you and I can't I'm trying to help you but I know you deserve even more help because I've hurt you in a way that it's too much for me to even fix and I'm sorry about that. And you deserve to to have a better life. And I couldn't give it to you. You know, something where she acknowledges the hardships that he's undergone. And also still telling him that we love you, you know, even though we want a better life for you. Because obviously we can't lie and say what you, we're so proud of everything you're doing. But we still love you. And we just want you to live the life you want to live, you know, and leave it to him. Um, but but it's tough. I mean, I don't know... I. I don't. I can't tell you exactly what to do, but the idea of him being in a different country all by himself sounds pretty scary. It's scary. Yeah. It's
2: very scary. It's very. And I, you know, I tried. Like you know, I was communicating with him. It's like one way because I know I send it. I don't know if he gets it or mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm. That you know, I love you very much. I can financially support you in Iran, with the little dollars, it goes a long way there. But here, I have to do a lot more, and then just i'm i'm planning on you know going back home in the next few months so i'll see him we'll buy out his military so he doesn't have to go to military you know don't worry Mm -hmm. about your green card it's not going to expire we love you and i just need to this is the only way i can support you that's as far as my part goes
1: but so if he was in, in the united states there isn't enough support for him
2: you know, I uh, financially there's only so much I can do, and my sister, she is going like you know through a tough time. She has to finish to to, to pass her board and her TOEFL to be able to to be able to actually work mm-hmm. in a capacity that she can uh, provide for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know we're dealing with a really tough situation, and I hope you can recognize that. I, I know you're going to try everything you can, but there's only so much you can do. And you have to accept your responsibilities to yourself and your daughter and, and your life more than anything. And we can't uh, save. I mean, someone. I know.
2: I mean, I feel I feel so bad about myself that well, this is only. that this is that this is only what I can do. I, I cannot do more. But, but my other question for but you. But I don't. Like but let me
1: let me just stop you there because I, I I can understand you want to help him more. But I hope you know you you're, your responsibility isn't to take care of him. Your responsibility is to take care of yourself and your family or your kids. You can't take care of everyone else's kids, too, even if they are related to you. There's only so much. And he's not someone who is um, meeting you halfway or meeting all of you to support him. You know, so yeah, you, you I can mean, only... he
2: says that he'll do it, but three hours later or, like, 24 hours later, that's totally different. Yeah, he I mean... it just goes and disappears.
1: Right. I mean, it just seems like if it's... Uh, Some kind of, whether it's bipolar or some severe ADHD, I'm sure there's some personality things as well. There's a lot going on. So it's tough. Again, you can't help someone that if you give them the money, they're going to burn it, you know, and throw it in a fire. He's
2: burned $5,000 in the past two months. Yeah.
1: I mean, so even if you had more, it's likely it wouldn't make a difference. You know, you might, if you read a book like Codependent No More, just read about codependency, it might be a good idea for you. To, to help you recognize that I'm responsible as an aunt to help him but only as much as an aunt is supposed to help him I'm not responsible more and I can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped and that's a big theme in that book is that you're supposed to take care of your life no one is here to fix anyone else or take care of them um, completely especially if they're not willing to do anything on their own so I know it's a very sad situation I'm sorry you and the whole family are going through it. and even him of course he's suffering um, he's suffering no, yeah. he's
2: suffering yeah. you know and it's and,
1: and that there's always it's so much sad. you can do. It is sad. It's a sad situation. And sometimes some things we unfortunately have to accept that we can't change them or make them the way we want them to be. Like I said, if you do talk to him, it seems like you are very pass- uh, compassionate with him, which is good. And I would just recognize his pain and acknowledge that more than trying to judge him and make him feel bad about himself. Because my guess is it's pretty clear he's already feeling pretty bad about himself. So I would connect that the pain if you can, if you get those opportunities. But remember your responsibility is to you and your family and your, your daughter and making sure you guys are okay. There's only so much you can do to help, f- to help someone else.
2: Ab- absolutely. And w- my last question, sure. let's say he comes back to state.
1: Uh-huh. Is
2: there anywhere that I can take him to get the help? That, like, you know, okay, the, he doesn't have that much money. There's only so much we can do. He needs to be diagnosed, and mm-hmm. he needs to be staying for a rehab or as long as the treatment takes. And, as a yeah. kind of, like, as an adult, I need to, like, you know, or, like, someone who's not capable of making decisions.
1: Well, first of all, I mean, you know, he has to want to get the help. But as far as places and clinics, usually there are, in most cities, places you can find, I don't know, in, in Northern California and where you are, where they can go. But you can even contact, um, I don't know, if, like, if you some of the, the social work department or something where there's social workers that might know about these things or if you know a social worker they sometimes know about low-fee clinics or clinics that can see you uh, for free or if he has any kind of insurance there could be some way through that but I don't know specifically where he can go Um, but if he's willing to go if you can get him in the door anywhere just make sure even if it costs a lot that you guys figure out the first step at least for him to see someone because he needs medication I think that's almost definite Um, and then you can take some steps in the right direction but I don't know exactly where you could take him Um, but hopefully that'll be a situation you get to that you'll want help but I want you to keep in mind that your responsibility is yourself and and your daughter and, and just focus there more than anything and don't think you know he's several thousand miles away right now so there's only so much you can do. And
2: he's been in the airport or outside, I don't know, for oh. the past 48 hours. Gosh. And, like, you know, purposely we didn't give him a lot of spending money right. so he doesn't go away. He had only, like, you know, $50 for the few hours that he is in the airport for the transit. Yeah, it's has been there tough. for two days yeah.
1: now. I mean, I hope he, we can get him out of there because that just seems like a bad situation for him to be... In a foreign country, but you know,
2: in we, your professional opinion, would he be better off in Iran um, as far as not getting himself in trouble? I don't,
1: I don't know. I mean, that's too hard for me to say because I don't know enough about the support he has there, the support he has here. I'll be honest, I don't think there's anywhere I'd say it's going to be good for him. I'm like, this is, you know, mm-hmm. he needs help. It's him that's right now the issue. I don't know enough about what's happening there and here to say. Mm-hmm. So I don't want, it would be, I think, irresponsible for me All to right. say. He should stay here or there. But wish you guys the best. As
2: mom goes, what can she do besides, like, you know, I know we talked about that she needs to genuinely apologize. Yeah,
1: that's the, I mean, I think that's the most. And just try not to, you know, give him that space and not be too judgmental. You know, rarely does judging someone get them to feel better or change. So, you know, she, I know she's probably going through a lot also, but I just would tell her not. Yeah, of course. I can only imagine what she's going through. Uh, and even if I were you, I'd focus a little bit on supporting her more than you can't change him. But she needs your support and okay. even helping her to realize I would help her. Maybe she could benefit from a book like Codependent No More. You can read it with her or read parts of it with her to see that, you know, she she obviously wants to help him. But there's only so much she can do. And there she has to accept so that. Much, yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry you guys are in that situation. I hope hope things change, but they're not going to change until he wants help and wants to change. And until then, make sure you guys are taking care of yourselves.
2: I do appreciate that, Dr. Halakri. I I genuinely appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you for your call. Take care.
2: Thank you. Have a great day. You too.
1: Bye-bye. All right. We'll reach our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Let's go to another caller. Oh, we lost the caller. Um, That's okay. I actually wanted to talk about something related to the book of the week from this past week, which was Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And the concept of vulnerability is a big one that comes up in that book. Uh, And she talks about, even as parents and leaders, how it's important for us to be vulnerable, to express vulnerability, to show... Weakness to recognize or not actually weakness because as she clearly explains, vulnerability is not weakness but we can show insecurities if we have them we can make mistakes and let them know we can let our kids know and let our uh, employees know that we're having challenges ourselves and recognize that vulnerability is important for us to share with those around us especially when you have a leadership role or some kind of position of power or where people are looking up to you because, Um, people need to know that it's okay not to be perfect, that no one is perfect, and that we all have these issues or things that we're dealing with, that life isn't easy for anyone. But unfortunately, we tend to do the opposite. We think we have to show to others and to give off this image that we're okay and perfect and nothing is wrong. Um, And to me, this is very sad because when we think about it, this is a big part of why people actually have a stigma attached to mental illness when we think everyone's okay we think that if we're not okay we're a problem we're crazy or weird or have this big issue we're sick and because no one else is suffering well then i have to make sure i hide it from everyone else because i'm the only one who's dealing with these issues i'm the only one who's suffering and sick let me make sure no one knows because if they do i'm going to get judged and ridiculed and i'll be seen as unlovable and all all these kinds of things so this notion of trying to put on this facade that we're so okay that everyone is not suffering and we don't have any issues and nothing really bothers us contributes so much to the pain that we experience as individuals it made me think of this idea or this analogy of imagining that everyone wore stilts that made them eight feet tall but everyone was covering them so When you walk around the street, everyone would be eight feet tall and very high, but everyone would be wearing stilts, but they didn't know that everyone else was wearing stilts. So I'm just wearing them so I can be like everyone else because I see I'm too short. But when we're walking around, no one sees and acknowledges that they have them or shows them to anyone else. So when I go home at the end of the day and I'm taking off my stilts, I think, gosh, everyone is so much better than me because I need these stilts to be that tall. I'm not really as tall as everyone else. And they're all better than me and if they knew how little i am they wouldn't love me or care about me or appreciate me and i'm the only one who is this way when in actuality everyone would be actually in the same position but not knowing that and that's how i see the situation of not showing vulnerability or not showing weakness or showing pain we're all walking around pretending and really Another way of seeing this as a mask or covering up everything that we have and thinking that because we can't see anyone else's pain, they must must not have it, so I have to make sure I don't show it to anyone either. When the reality is we are all suffering, we all have pain, we all have insecurities or things we struggle with, uh, issues that we're dealing with, nobody is perfect. And if we can show more of that to each other, one, we'll become closer to each other because that's how we connect and really get to know one another. But also, we'll start to feel better about ourselves because it's so sad to think that what makes many people shameful or to feel ashamed about themselves is that they actually have an inaccurate understanding of other people because of what people show to them. If I show you that I have no worries and nothing bothers me, And you think, wow, that person's so great. And then you have a worry or something bothers you. You think, oh, I'm so weak. I'm so uh, powerless. I'm so, you know, sensitive or whatever other words you use to judge yourself when really you don't recognize that I also have those same pains, but unfortunately I don't show them to you. Another way we see this is if you're in a class and the teacher is talking and it's a very confusing topic, and a student is sitting there thinking, oh my God, what is she talking about? I have no idea what's going on in this lecture right now. But they look around the class and no one's raising their hand and everyone is just looking at the professor with uh, a calm face. So they assume that everyone else knows it except for them, a form of pluralistic ignorance when we think everyone knows something or believes something, but they don't. And I'm sure we've all had that experience where someone takes the courage to raise their hand and say, excuse me, professor, but I don't really get this part. And you hear 10 other people say, oh, thank God you asked because I was confused too. And then we realized that actually most people or a lot of people were confused. It wasn't that everyone knew, but everyone was afraid to show that they didn't know because they assumed everyone else knew. And if they were to expose that, they would be seen as stupid or an imposter or not good enough and a bunch of other things. And actually that imposter syndrome is a very common one that many people experience. Uh, And I remember professors telling us in graduate school that you should be ready to feel that, or most people feel this idea that everyone else is supposed to be here but me. Or if they really knew what I know and what I don't know, they wouldn't let me be in this school. Or maybe there was some kind of even a mistake that allowed me to get in here because I'm not as good as everyone around me. But the truth is that everyone is feeling that, or many people are feeling that you're not the only one. Many people think they're not good enough to be in that school or somehow they shouldn't be. So we see how there's so many ways that we think we have to come off as perfect, as not having any issues, as not having any problems, worries. And we don't show any vulnerability because we think that's what we're supposed to be. When we'd be a lot better off if we accept that no one is that, no one is perfect. And everyone has imperfections. And so going back to how I started the segment, we have to keep in mind that as parents or teachers or bosses or anyone who has people that maybe look up to your work with you in some way, it's important to show them that you too can be vulnerable and you have things that you're dealing with and you're not perfect. As a parent, your kids look up to you in, in almost godlike form they idealize you they think you're the strongest the most powerful you never do anything wrong you never make mistakes and it's your job to show them that no this is not true because if they see you in that way and they always believe that then they'll think that i'm not good enough because look how much better mommy and daddy are than me they never make mistakes they never break anything they never feel sad about something and as parents we sometimes think we have to show our parents and or show our kids and nothing bothers me nothing ever makes me upset nothing gets me down because they have to think of me as so strong but really hurting our kids in the long term when they don't get to see that we're vulnerable too and we have issues too and we can take risks to show them that side of ourselves and let them know it's okay if you made a mistake I do that too and that could be a very uh great bonding experience you know when a kid comes home and says oh you know none of the kids talked to me and they made fun of me And I felt so sad. A lot of parents say, well, just ignore those kids and make new friends. Or who cares what people say? Stuff that they themselves don't even believe or live out, right? If they go to a dinner party and some people make a joke about them or they don't get invited to the dinner party, they get upset and feel bad. And so rather than telling your kid, oh, it's not a big deal. Don't be sad about it. Who cares what people think? Words are just words and all these things you might think are good advice when really they're not. You're better off telling them, gosh, that must have felt really bad you know, I've actually felt that way too. And your kid might even be surprised and you can share a story of when you felt rejected or put down or hurt in some way and let them see that you feel that too and it's okay that they felt that and they're going to be okay. And in that way, you can make sure you bond and connect with them. Now, you have to make sure not to make it about you. That's something that people do sometimes. Someone comes to you and says, oh, I got hurt in this way or had this breakup and then they talk about their own breakup or divorce for 20 minutes straight and make a conversation about them, but especially with your kids. If you share with them your own experiences in a way that makes them feel understood and that you get them, that's going to go a lot further than trying to act like the perfect person who can give advice and not say anything wrong or never experience anything painful and that you wouldn't care if you went through the same thing. Of course, if your friends made fun of you and rejected you, you would feel bad and let your kids know that. So if we can all take down this armor and this shield that we have of trying to be perfect, of trying to think we have to be perfect to make others love us or think highly of us or want to be our friends or our partners, we'd all be better off recognizing, look, we're not perfect because we're not supposed to be. And we can all take off those stilts that make us think we're eight feet tall because we don't need to be. We can be just as tall as we are and that's enough. And as uh, Brené Brown talks about in her book, Daring Greatly, being enough or that feeling of worthiness was what she found to be is one of the biggest qualities of people that live a wholehearted and full life. If we feel that we're enough, then we can take risks. We can take on challenges. We can risk being hurt because we know we're enough at the end of the day. And so we want to teach our kids and teach one another that we're enough just as we are. We don't have to pretend to be something we're not because none of us are perfect. All right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalaqui. We'll be right back. Back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air.
3: Hi, Dr. Lackley.
1: Hi, thanks for calling.
3: Thank you for giving me time sure. and honor and opportunity to talk with you.
1: Absolutely uh, good.
3: Actually I wanna talk about my daughter. Okay. That is my only she is my only child. Uh I can't Actually, I'm, you know, my voice is coming back
1: to me. Yeah, I don't know. Are you on speakerphone? No. no. Uh,
3: yes, yes, I am. Okay,
1: I'll take it off speakerphone, please.
3: How is it now?
1: It's much better.
3: Okay. Okay. Um. Uh, She's my only child.
1: Okay, how old is she? She's
3: 33. When 33. she was uh, only one, I divorced uh, her father. Mm-hmm. He, she doesn't see... Um, um, her father. Actually, we don't know where he, he is. Actually, during all these years, she has seen her um, her actually father only two or three times. Mm, okay. um, the, my point is that uh, recently um, she got engaged mm-hmm. with a single uh, child as well. Um, who they have um, actually two-and-a-half years' uh, age difference. Okay. And uh, he is a very good boy. I like him. He is very respectful. But I have a few concerns that I would like to consult this with you and see if, uh, you know, if I'm, you know, my worrying is, you know, for nothing.
1: Okay. Sure. What, What are your concerns?
3: Actually, um, the first concern is about their difference, age difference, that um, I have heard uh, some marriages that, you know, the wife is older, sometimes, you know, it ends, ends up with uh, to the divorce. And So
1: she's older by two years?
3: She's older, yes. By two, okay. Could two you said, half, okay,
1: yes. so he's around 31, 30, okay.
3: Yes. Is, she's 33 and uh, he's almost uh, actually he's 31. My daughter is 33 and a half. Okay. Um. So this is what uh, you know. This is one concern. The other thing is that uh, he wants to. He works a lot, and uh, his his job it makes him very stressful. He's very stressed. His face is, you know, full of stress. And anytime you see him, he, he's always tired. Uh, you know, he lack of sleeping. You know, he's bothering him. And uh, you know, this this makes me also worried that, you know, she, he doesn't have time. And my daughter is, you know, wants him to go out with him and, you know, to talk with him. But he is also you know
1: always very
3: tired mm-hmm. so what do you think about this
1: okay well so looking at the first one the age difference um you said you know he's 31 she's you said 33 and a half and usually we stop saying halves after kids are like six or seven but still you were trying to say about two and a half years age difference so
3: yeah i bet i just want to tell you that you know exactly you know, yeah age,
1: no, no, I understand. I'm kind of, I'm joking, but it, it just, it was, it sounded funny to say 33 and a half, but I understand you're saying they're about two and a half years age difference. Now, can it be an issue for the woman to be older? It can be. Two years to me is not significant uh, if they're both okay with it. So most important as any of these questions we're going to talk about are, is how she feels about it. So if she's okay with that, and if he's a mature 31, if he's more mature than his age then it it can be okay i wouldn't say that that to me is a huge red flag um if anything because she didn't have a father in her life i would be concerned with her dating someone much older which can happen Mm -hmm. uh or being with someone much older um and i'm not sure if how she feels with him if if she feels very fine
3: they're absolutely fine you know and you know they haven't bring this up even
1: Okay. So if they're both okay with it, of course, and him too, if he's makes sure he's okay that he's with someone who's slightly older. Again, it's not by much. Two years, essentially, they're the same age. I don't see that as a huge red flag. It's something that, as I said before, we have to ask them. If they're both totally okay with it, as you said, they haven't even brought it up as an issue. You can even ask or say, that I thought about this. You say it not as a, I know this is an issue, because a lot of parents say that I know this is going to be a problem or I know this is going to happen. You can just say, I thought about this. I was just wanted to know how you feel, because what's important is what you feel about this. And you can talk to her if you'd like. Um, the other one was work and, and stress, which, again, is... Oh, can I
3: add, can I sure. add something at this point? Uh, yeah. uh, uh, okay, he has been um, uh, involved with, with some friendship before my daughter, uh, like, you know, fr- uh, their friends. Uh-huh. But um, he says they have always been older than me, even eight years, nine years. Okay. So maybe this is because uh, at the age of 17, they send his, uh, his parents sent him out of the country, out of Iran, you know, to have uh, his education. And maybe
1: he's like my daughter, you know, looking for a mother. Mm-hmm. It's possible. That, well, that's why I'm, I'm, I would wonder, does she act like a mother to him, or does it feel that way, their relationship? So I, I would think about that part. Like I said, the age itself, two years, is not a huge deal. But if they have that role, that could be unhealthy, you know, if she feels like the mom to mm-hmm. him. Now, if you look at you and her... Do you feel like she, in some ways, was trying to take care of you as a kid?
3: Yes, yeah. She takes care of me a lot. Mm. It looks like she's the mother and yeah. I'm the child.
1: That's something yeah, I was wondering. That, yeah.
3: And now that she has gone to... Because the guy, you know, um, the, the fiancé, her fiancé lives in another state. Uh-huh. And we are in another state. And... You know, my daughter applied for a job over there, and uh, she's now over there with the, um, with um, her fiancé. But, you know, she has rented an apartment um, separately, but they spend most of the time together. Okay. But the point is that, you know, she's worried about me all the time,
4: mm-hmm. and
3: she has asked me to sell the house and join them, buy a house over there, and, you know see everyone being, you know, together. Not together, not live together,
1: but at least close to each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I guess, you know, what we can, now what you're saying, that she maybe even had a mother-like role with you. She might be comfortable in those kind of relationships. So it's possible she found someone, although, again, the age is not a huge difference, but maybe like a mother-like, she can play a mother-like role for him. So I would be concerned about that, and maybe you can talk to her about that. Now, the idea of you having to live with them or live near them, I mean. Even that, I don't necessarily think should be the case. You can decide what you want to do, but I would give them their space. But it does feel like she might have a guilt of leaving you, Um, and that's not... I would hope she just decides to live her life. Her job isn't to take care of you, it never was. But that's my concern, is that she takes on a mother role in this life and in general thinks she has to take care of people. That could be a problem. So I would I would worry about that, and by worry I don't mean you need to do something about it, but you can talk to her about it, if you'd like, and to make sure she feels okay. And regardless,
3: what, what, what should I ask her? You know, in which way I sh- I should begin the conversation?
1: Well, the good the a good word to use there it should be a conversation, and even more than conversation, it should be her talking more than you. So. If you find yourself talking more than her, then that's not the right kind of conversation about her relationship. So you Mm -hmm. want to ask her about, even if you say, I have this worry I want to know from you, and then you just let it go. Not say, because I heard this and because this, and I heard the story of this person, and that one did this Say, This is what I thought about. I was just wondering what you think, because I care about what you think more than anyone. You're the one in the relationship. And then let her talk if she wants to. And if she doesn't, you can't force her to have the conversation. But so make sure she's the one who's talking more in, in a conversation about her relationship.
3: We actually, we have, we, we actually have a very good relationship. Okay, very friends. And she tells me everything. She has talked to me, you know, um, a lot of times, and she says she really um, loves him and he's, a, you know, good one. And, and she thinks that this guy is the best. She, she can find a, a better guy, mm-hmm. a better husband for herself. And, um, you know, she has no complaint other than, you know, he's, you know, he's not very clean, I say, not from by his, by, in himself, you know, in uh, his room. He's uh-huh. uh, messy,
1: yeah. 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 yeah, so, I mean, you know. That's good that you can talk to her, so I would say that you know you can continue talking to her. Another concern I would have, having related to the work and even that they were living in separate states, because her father was not really in her life at all, there could be a part of her that can be comfortable um, with a man who is distant, or she might find a man who is distant. Now, in this case, physically, they were living distant, but also emotionally, or maybe, for example, you're saying the work he does. So that's another thing I would wonder about with her, that is she choosing a man that is distant because that's something familiar or comfortable for her because she didn't have a man in her life? That's something I would think about. So when you said, you know, he always is working and stressed and because of that isn't as available to her when she wants to spend time with him, there could be a possibility of her finding a man who is either emotionally or physically or in some way distant from her. So that's something you can maybe think about talking to her and and overall because of the childhood she had with her father not being involved and my stance is that it's good for everyone to go to therapy i would hope that she does go to therapy to help work out that pain that she has from not having her father in her life that's definitely going to make an impact now doesn't mean this relationship is necessarily wrong but it's going to affect her and could even affect this relationship. So I would hope she, if she hasn't, goes to therapy for herself to work on and better understand her past and to make sure it doesn't impact this relationship in a negative way.
3: Okay, I want to know that um, um, why do you think she needs therapy? Because she's fine and she has always been, um, you know, even um, I asked her, now that um, she is adult she can decide if she can if she wants to contact with uh, with her father you know to be in touch yeah. and she said never never i um, you know i have um, received enough attention from you and i i don't want my father you know it's mm-hmm. from years ago she said this but the problem is she is not working a lot he is working
1: a lot. I you know that's what I, yeah, I didn't say she's working a lot. I said he's working a lot. She, you know, I'm not saying she needs therapy, so I'm not telling you she has to go in. I just think for everyone it's good. I go to therapy myself. I think everyone should go to, to understand themselves better. But because of that, and I'm not saying she should go to therapy so she wants a relationship with her father. That, you know, if he's not treating her well and doesn't make her feel good, she doesn't owe him anything or. That's not necessarily at all her path to healing. So I'm not saying go to therapy so her and her dad become close. Not at mm-hmm. all. I'm saying go to therapy actually so she heals the wound of her father not being close. And almost always a child is going to feel a sense of rejection from their father or mother if they're not in their life. Somehow yeah. this feeling of I'm not good enough or if I was better, they he, he would have wanted to be around. And maybe she doesn't have that. So I'm not saying I, I know, but I'm saying it's something I would think about uh, because especially because it was a father and she's with a man, we know that that can have a big impact on her romantic relationship and relationships. Yeah. So that's, that's why I'm saying it's something to think about. Um, and like I said, something I would want you, if you do talk to her, you can. the age thing seems like maybe it's okay. You can ask her about, does she feel like a mom to him in some way? But the other thing is, does she feel like he's very distant? Because I would have a concern that she might find a man who is very distant from her because her father was so distant. So that's something because of how you said he's always at work; he's not available as much as she wants. There could be a possibility where she gets herself in that kind of relationship. So that was that's why I mentioned that.
3: Um, I I don't know. This was quite accidental that they made they made each other. Actually, someone introduced um, these two together. Mm-hmm. So she didn't see she didn't pick this guy you know to well no no but
1: she's picked this guy i mean I, I can understand how they met was accidental but we pick who we continue to be with and then get engaged and marry with so mm-hmm. and and unconsciously we can be drawn to people we don't even realize what's going on so I, i'm not saying i know this relationship is bad and i want you to worry i'm just saying a concern or a thought that comes to mind is this idea that she might find someone who is distant and she might always want more from them but it could be because of what she had with her father or what she didn't have with her father. So even it, though
3: even though she's not happy um, with you know uh, him being uh, a workaholic
1: well that's what I'm saying we we pick someone who actually hurts us in the same way. That's my point is that for example, someone uh, you know, a daughter of an alcoholic father very often marries an alcoholic and maybe even didn't know they're alcoholic but got drawn to them unconsciously so and then they hate it their whole life so i'm not saying she wants him to be a workaholic or she knew about it and did it purposely i'm saying it could be an unconscious thing so if you're saying he's a workaholic that's that fits into what i'm saying that she could potentially be drawn to someone who's distant and even their relationship was long distance and so that's what i'm saying something to ask her you know you can't do anything about it you can't tell her this is a bad relationship because i'm not saying it necessarily is but as i said it's a concern that i have that if you want to talk to her i would bring it up as a possibility even the way i'm saying it i'm not saying this is for sure but you can say you know you can even tell her you talked to me and this is something he mentioned just i don't know what do you think about what he's saying and then see what she says and you say no not at all but at least maybe you give her an idea and you can even tell her that i said because of the pain she went through i think therapy is a good idea as I think it is for anyone, including myself, to go to therapy to understand themselves better. So um, that that would just be my thoughts. And just also keep in mind at the end of the day that it's her life and her decisions and she's going to make it so you don't yeah. have to make the decision or you, you shouldn't be making the decision for her but even not even having such an impact on it. You let her make the decision. If she wants to talk to you, you're always there for her but your job isn't to ask too many questions or get too involved. You want to give them that yeah, space. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, it, it's up to her you know to decide mm-hmm. if you want to continue you on know, actually he's a very good man but cool. well um, that's good hopefully it's
1: a good relationship like i said if you know you said you had some concerns i shared with you my thoughts and you know i hope if ever she wants to call in i'd be more than happy to talk to her too okay. but but wish you guys all the best all
3: right thank all right. you all right very thank much you have time. a
1: good day take care thanks bye 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 All right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555, we'll be right back. in session with Dr. Farid Halakwi. Now, a big story in the news these days, especially in Hollywood, has been the accusations uh, that have come forward about Harvey Weinstein, the movie producer and co-founder of Miramax Films and the Weinstein Company, which is, um, he's produced a lot of the biggest movies for decades now in Hollywood. And recently there was a New York Times article that was a damning expose as it says here in this rolling stone article about the various sexual abuse allegations that were against him and as of yet there are 40 women of up to now 40 women have come forward saying that they were either um, harassed by him or even raped by him or somehow sexually uh, inappropriately he behaved towards them and it's becoming this a really big story and it's good that it's becoming a big story but of course it doesn't just reflect this one individual he appears to be a very sick man who's hurt and harassed a lot of individuals but he's not the only one unfortunately and also he's part of a bigger culture which allows for this to happen and so i think it's very easy for us to vilify him and now i'm not saying we should think of him positively we definitely should do that but sometimes we do that as an easy way of just making it the bad apple so to speak like there's this bad guy and he's so bad and let's get all mad at him but not recognize or somehow ignore the bigger issue that we need to look at the culture of how this is allowed and acceptable because they especially are saying that many people helped keep this quiet because it apparently he's been going on for decades that he has been doing this but many people knew And didn't speak up or many times when people did come forward people tried to ignore it or not pay attention to it because he was so powerful and because they maybe didn't want to get involved with him in a negative way or whatever else the reasoning was but they did not do anything about it and we see this even on a smaller scale in families where a child might tell their mom or dad that someone in the family sexually harassed them or abused them or molested them and it gets denied or overlooked and people just look the other way because we'd rather be in denial than to face a real harsh reality that maybe something really bad is going on in our own home or to our own child we'd rather not have it exist but clearly there was a lot that allowed for this to go on over the years and if you are silent about something like this well, you are in that way complicit or in some ways as guilty in allowing it to continue and many people were guilty of that and not just in this case but in other cases as well very often sexual harassment and sexual abuse um, gets unreported or when it does get reported no action is taken and there's been a hashtag that's been going around which is me too hashtag me too where women and actually also men are even by just posting Me Too, that means that you're saying that I've also been the victim of some kind of sexual harassment or abuse or rape. Um, and some have also included more details about what has happened to them to make it clear that it's not just a few women women that have experienced this, but virtually all. And some people actually have written Me Too and then added it might be harder to find someone who hasn't ever been the victim of some kind of sexual harassment Um, and or worse than to have people write the one people that have been affected. And I think that's very true in our culture. It's very acceptable or has been and still is to some degree for a man in power, especially or just men in general to sexually harass women from um, things that Harvey Weinstein allegedly has done, like inviting women to his hotel room, young actresses, making it seem like it'll be a professional meeting but asking for sexual favors and implying that they would get the role in advance. So there's things like that. But even uh, on a smaller scale or daily scale, women walking down the street and getting catcalled and uh, being harassed in different ways. And it's easy for people to say, oh, it's not a big deal, or don't be so sensitive to some of the things like catcalling or it's a compliment, but it absolutely isn't. And if we say something to someone and they don't want to hear it, That essentially is what we're talking about with harassment, but it's never okay. You don't get to decide if what you're saying is okay to someone. They get to decide, just like you don't get to decide if some action you're taking is okay. They get to decide, and that's why we need consent. If someone doesn't want to do something, it doesn't matter what you think it is. It matters what they want. So this Me Too um, hashtag has been all over the place, and I think it's important for us to keep that in mind. And another thing that happens with sexual harassment and sexual abuse cases is the victims get blamed all the time. So there's always the questions like, well, what were you wearing or what did you do, or how did you maybe give them a message that you were interested? And somehow we blame the person in that way. And another way the victims get blamed or shamed is that people say, well, why did it take you so long to come forward? Why did you wait 10 years to tell anyone about it or 15 years? And sometimes that makes people even think, well, that must mean it was made up or not real, because if it was real, you would have told someone immediately. Um, But this is definitely not the case and not just for children, but especially for children, that can be true, but also for adults as well. Um, To begin with, there is the shock and confusion about what has happened and the trauma that the person feels and maybe even afraid to say anything about it because they're scared of the perpetrator there's the judgment they're afraid to get which unfortunately people are not wrong to think that because we can see how much people judge someone uh, who's been a victim of sexual abuse sometimes blaming them sometimes saying oh they wanted it sometimes you know saying it was what they wore or what they uh, did or they got drunk or some other way of blaming them for being victimized so this keeps people from coming out and saying what happened. It's a very scary thing. And it's a very personal thing, of course, to share something like that. It does take courage to be able to talk about something like that, because it's one of the worst things that's happened to someone. It can make them feel really bad in a lot of ways. And they maybe don't want to share it with anyone. So if someone does come forward to you, first of all, uh, take it very seriously every time, and I say this, especially to parents. So if your kid says someone touched me in a way that I didn't like or something in some way alluding to some kind of sexual abuse of some kind, you take it seriously every time. And by take it seriously, I don't mean you immediately call the authorities, but you definitely talk to them about it. Okay, well, what happened? We want to know more about what happened to you. Um and get an idea of what's going on and let them know they can always tell you when something like that happens or if they want to talk to you about something like that because as we know many times uh, child molesters will say i'll hurt your family if you tell our secret i'll hurt you i'll kill you i'll kill your parents if you tell anyone our secret and you can let them know no matter what you can always tell me anything that happens to you and you can always tell me that secret and you'll be okay Um, but even if it's not kids if an adult tells you something like that be sensitive to it many times when we respond negatively it's because we can't handle what they're dealing with and we'd rather make it not real so we'd say oh it's not a big deal or maybe you were the cause of that pain in some way or the cause of the situation so we try to dismiss what they say so if someone comes to you and opens up recognize that it's not easy for them to tell you recognize it's not an easy thing to talk about And all you need to do is you're not supposed to take away their pain or make things okay or uh, solve the situation in any kind of way. You just need to be supportive of them. Hear them out. You can express some kind of sympathy or empathy for what they've been through. But don't think you need to do so much about it because you don't. Just like if someone says their mother or their father died, you are just there for them. You can't take away the pain. You want to just hear them out and show them that you care about them, you love them, and you support them. But lastly, I want to get back to this idea of the culture that we have. And I talk a lot about different types of human rights on this show, which I'm very happy to do. And I talk about women's rights and this idea that all of us should be feminists. I know sometimes it's considered a bad word to be a feminist, unfortunately, but really feminism is about equal rights for women, not about making them better, not about hating men or being negative towards men or making things easier for women than men. It's about equal rights. And so to me, everyone should be a feminist, man or woman. doesn't make a difference because we should all want equal rights for everyone. Um, And actually, another thing I want to add, this idea that people sometimes say, well, I care about this Harvey Weinstein story because I have a wife or a daughter or a sister. Um, Yes, I understand that by knowing that someone close to you could be affected can help, but we would hope that we care no matter what. It doesn't matter if you don't have any of those things, but you care because it's unfair for anyone to be treated unfairly. It's not okay for someone to be assaulted or harassed or raped or any of those kinds of things, no matter what, even if they're very different from you, even if they're very different from anyone you know. That injustice should be something you're not okay about. But many people write things like that because I have a wife or because I have a daughter, I am so upset about what's happening. But I'd hope that it's, well, because I'm a human being and other humans are being hurt, I'm not okay with this and I I don't want that to be okay. But when we look at feminism, a lot of people say, well, women have equal rights legally. How is it different to be a man or a woman in today's America, for example? And this story is exactly what we're talking about, that yes, legally, maybe things are equal um overall but there are still a lot of ways that being a woman is not as easy as it is to be a man or that men can get away with things that are not okay and women still have to deal with things that should not be acceptable even if they're sometimes more subtle sometimes more explicit but there's still things going on and we can't give up or think that we've gotten to where we need to go and it's up to all of us to continue to change the culture where we don't look at women just as a sexual object or just as something that can be used or that can be uh, looked down upon in any kind of way and any disrespect should be unacceptable to all of us so it's up to men and women to work on this together to continue to advance the rights of women and of all people so we all get treated equally and so if you think we've gotten there when it comes to women's rights and women being treated equally in the workplace and at home and around the world, we're definitely not there at all. So I hope we can all be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. All right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. in session with Dr. Fatou Tolakui. In the next uh, sorry in the previous segment I was talking about the allegations that have come out about Harvey Weinstein and I mentioned that there is definitely more than just a bad apple that we have to look at but really look at the bad barrel or the cultural issues that are related to what's going on here. And one concept that's related to this as I mentioned I was talking about feminism is toxic masculinity. Um, And maybe you've heard this term before, but if you haven't, toxic masculinity is um, looking at the traditional male roles or male characteristics that people think define masculinity, but that are actually harmful to society, both to men themselves, but to women and children and just overall, including things like misogyny, homophobia, um, being violent, looking down at women is also part of this um, uh, toxic masculinity cluster of traits that we can look at. But very much in American and European society, there's these ideas of what it means to be a man and how a man should be and also how a man shouldn't be that are very hurtful to, again, both themselves and also people that they're in relationships with. And this is something that we, we really need to work on and to challenge. I've talked about it many times before, how unfortunately we have this idea that men are not supposed to be quote unquote emotional and the reason why i say emotional in quotes is that although we think we're saying they're not being emotional we're saying some emotions are okay and some are not so as a man it's not okay in this hyper masculine or this toxic masculine way for them to be sad or for them to cry that is not acceptable and um can be looked down upon or their you know masculinity comes into question, even their sexuality comes into question because they appear weak and uh, feminine because they're crying. Whereas if a man is angry and even violent, that can be seen as very masculine, very strong to be that way. And so we see that as uh, a form of masculinity to be angry, where anger, of course, is an emotion. And actually anger oftentimes... I would say anger is the emotion that makes us do the worst things or the most harmful things is through anger. So absolutely anger is an emotion, but we say that it's okay for them to be angry. So what does this do? It means that if a man is sad, if a man is hurt, rather than express his pain, rather than express his sadness directly, he is more likely going to express it in an acceptable way, which is to be violent, to be hurtful to those around them, even to their partner. And this is actually a way of understanding domestic violence of course a very complicated thing but one aspect of it and for some people that are domestically violent partners it's that they can't express their vulnerability and their pain if their partner hurts them rather than being able to say you know you hurt my feelings or i got jealous here or i felt that they get angry and violent and try to dominate their partner to feel good about themselves and unfortunately that kind of feeling gets reinforced in society by the man feeling powerful, other men thinking he looks strong, either even other look women thinking he looks strong. And this idea of treating your woman as an object, or even people say, control your woman. We hear phrases like that, or you should be able to uh, dominate the relationship. And if the woman is wearing the pants, you're weak and you're not a good man. Uh, these things contribute to actually the man being more comfortable being violent. So toxic masculinity is this idea that these traits that we think make a man a man and make you more manly are really deeply hurting us. And this is also another reason why uh, men can be more prone to substance abuse. If I can't talk about my feelings, if I can't express to you when I'm upset or when I'm sad, It's a lot easier for me to go turn to a bottle who I don't have to become vulnerable in front of. I don't have to to tell what I'm feeling and just numb myself. That's a lot easier way of dealing with my feelings than actually expressing it because I'm a man and even it could be manly to drink a lot. And so I'm going to be a man and go drink at the bar and maybe ignore my wife or my kids. But that makes me somehow stronger and more masculine. And that's a big problem. So men pay the price as well. And that's what I talk about in feminism is that it's not just about women. It's about men too, because when we have equal rights and when everyone can be however they are and whoever they are and have the flexibility to express themselves as a human, which means we get to express all the feelings that we have, that allows for us to then be more comfortable being ourselves and everyone gets to benefit. So as men, It's not just about women advancing with feminism, but that men get the flexibility to be whoever they want to be. And fortunately, that's the direction that we're moving towards, that men don't have to just be a certain way and they can't be a certain way, and that women don't have to be a certain way and can't do certain things. We're changing that, which I think is a wonderful thing, but it's definitely still an adjustment that we're going through. We're still having challenges and it's still not easy for a man, for example, to be Uh, expressing what we might consider traditionally feminine traits. That's something that's still not easy. For a woman to be a little more masculine is becoming more acceptable, but we still have this strong judgment towards a man who is acting like, I don't want to say like a woman, but expressing things in a feminine way. It's a strong judgment. And this also relates to our strong homophobia that we have, And part of, as I was saying before, toxic masculinity is this idea that you should be homophobic and hate gay people because it shows how manly you are, which doesn't make sense. If we actually look at it, it just shows how weak you are and how maybe even fearful you are of your own homosexual tendencies. But this is part of what we consider masculine to hate gay people. And it comes up even in studies where they look at masculinity. And in Brené Brown's book, Daring Greatly, uh, I remember it came up as well, too this idea that it's part of being a man and even being a misogynist, looking down at women and seeing them as an object, that's a manly thing. And to me, it's always funny and interesting. I say funny, uh, it's sad, but it's funny that we think of a man as being strong, even when he's being violent. And what good is someone's strength if it's hurting other people? How is that strong or how is that a good thing? If you're, power is used to hurt other people. If anything, a real manly thing or a real strong thing to do would be to protect other people. And this is why I like the distinction between a soldier and a warrior. Uh, The first place I came across that was in the book Iron John by Robert Bly. This idea that a soldier is just a killing machine, just kills. Uh, And this doesn't necessarily mean soldiers, like I'm saying, the U.S. military or talking about any specific group, but this idea of a soldier is a killer, whereas a warrior uses their strength to protect and defend. So if they need to use their power, they will. If someone is attacking them, they will use their strength to defend themselves and defend other people, but they don't use their strength to inflict harm intentionally or to hurt other people, which to me makes a lot of sense. That's true power. If I use even someone uses their intellectual power to hurt other people, that's not strength either. That's hurting. But if they use it to make things better, that's true strength and true power. And we need to redefine that idea. So this toxic masculinity is something that's creating a lot of harm. It also contributes to the sexual abuse like what we saw in the Harvey Weinstein case. There's still this idea, as I mentioned, part of it is the misogyny that's part of toxic masculinity, but also that men are supposed to look at women in that way. And that makes them manly even I've heard you know guys talking to each other and if one of them says they're liking a girl sometimes they can get negative feelings or sorry negative feedback from their friends or made fun of like oh you're catching feelings for that that girl oh you like her oh you like her and it makes them you know somehow they're judging them whereas the manly thing to do is just to want them for sex and to treat them with as little respect as you can and make them want you and then somehow you're the winner and the powerful one And it's very unfortunate, but this is the ideals that get promoted within culture, through the media, um, and amongst men, this feeling that I'm a strong man if I don't care about women. And I think the only thing that reflects to me, if someone doesn't care about other people, is a very strong weakness in them. So they're not strong, but they're very weak. If you don't care about other people and if you disrespect them, that just shows that you at some level don't respect yourself. And don't see yourself in a good way. No one who feels good about themselves needs to disrespect anyone else, needs to put them down, needs to make them feel bad about who they are, or needs to try to trick them to do something that they want or to make them feel a certain way. That is not a sign of strength. And we have to uh, quit telling ourselves that this is something that makes someone strong. Or this idea that a man has to be with many women and that makes him strong Um, even if he's married if he has affairs it's a manly thing he's he can't be contained you know he needs to express himself because he's so manly and more often than not this is actually an expression of another weakness and that fear of being intimate with someone and that fear of allowing one person to hurt you because if i'm only with one person if i'm married to my wife and i'm only with her then she has the power to hurt me and that can be too scary but if I'm with five other women and I don't really ever get that close to her, well, then she really can't hurt me that much. Because a big part of vulnerability and a big part of relationships is taking that risk that you allow yourself to get close to someone in a way that they actually then can hurt you because it could, they have that power. You're giving them the power to hurt you, but hoping and believing that they won't hurt you without any guarantees. That's what a relationship is. But a man who's afraid to get close to a woman is not very strong. And a man who decides that because I'm married, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to be with other women because of how manly I am. That's a sign of weakness, not a sign of strength. So we, we have to challenge these norms and these ideals that are hurting men. They're hurting women and they're hurting society. When we accept that masculinity has to look a certain way, this idea that it includes misogyny, homophobia, and violence means it's only a hurtful and harmful thing. And of course, it's very easy just to blame men, and I think men probably play the biggest role in this, and it's up to us, but it's also up to women to be involved with this too. Just like when it comes to women's rights and feminism, men have to be involved and they absolutely should care about it, women should care and they play a part in this as well. Uh, Very often, it's women that also say, well, a man looks weak if he cries, or masculinity should look this way, or I'm attracted to a man that does these hurtful things or is angry or is violent. It's women that play a role in that too. So we can't ignore that these uh, societal pressures, these norms and ideals that get created are not created by just one segment of the population. We all contribute to them. And as a result, we all can contribute to um, tearing them down and creating a new type of masculinity that actually includes Uh, A man can be, first of all, anything, but a man should not be hurting anyone and not be hurting themselves. Those are not signs of strength. Hurting people is never a sign of strength. Hurting people is a sign of some kind of weakness within some pain that we're trying to express. Strength means taking care of me and taking care of other people. Uh, Men can do that too. All right, we've reached our last commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tolokwi. We'll be right back. let's go to a caller Radio Hamra you're on the air
0: good afternoon I have a question about my 10 years old son okay um he gets angry uh, pretty quickly Mm -hmm. um when something um when someone starts teasing him or when you know someone starts bothering him at the school or at home when his sister does the things that he doesn't want her to do Mm -hmm. um He's kind of responsible.
1: Um, what do you mean he's kind of take... responsible? Oh, you mean in general he's responsible?
0: He, in general he's very responsible. Okay. He takes responsibility when he kicks. He accepts that he did something wrong. Uh, but I don't know what to do when um, he expresses his anger, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when he shouts, when he kicks. Um, I really don't want him to get into troubles. He hasn't but um i just got a call from the principal last week that he, he's getting very sensitive like um, if you know someone starts taking his lunch pail and throw it somewhere he he goes after him and tries to do something well i mean
1: know. i don't i don't blame him you know <laughs> if someone yeah, th- i mean I you know. Know, he, he sh- he's going to have some kind of response if someone throws his lunch pail but you know but the response matters what he does matters more than just that should make anyone upset but anyway go ahead
0: um what do you want to know do you want
1: to know some well, example no yeah. Well, yeah you know let's there's a few things i'd obviously want to know about just the family it, you know you said he has a sister is she older or younger yes
0: he has an older sister ten and a half months older Not oh, okay months. so they're and, almost the same uh, age okay they're almost the same age Oh, they always tease each other mm-hmm. my daughter teases him more than he does okay um, for example if he doesn't want her to go to his room she finds a way to get into his room and then after a couple of times he tells him get out of my room and then he gets out and then he starts yeah well yelling, I mean, that's you know? something that
1: you can help them with too i mean we want to respect their space if you you know if she if, exactly, he, right, if he doesn't right. want her in his room he's right she shouldn't go in his room if he doesn't uh, believe
0: it or not most that. of the, most of the time He's right Then he gets okay. angry. Most of the time, 90% of the and, time, he doesn't just get angry for nothing. And uh, what do you, uh, so
1: how do you respond to his anger?
0: I keep, uh, I just talk to him. I say, I understand Good. Um, you have the right to get angry, but um, I don't want you to shout and yell. And I don't want you to hit anybody or kick mm-hmm, anybody.
4: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, I understand you can get away from the situation or go to, Ask, ask an adult for help if you're at the school or if you're at home or if you're somewhere, you know, with our friends. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: well, or even he can express it to the person in a way. So I'm glad what you're doing is good in that first part of validating and, um, uh, you know, normalizing how he's feeling, that you understand that he's upset, that it makes sense that he's upset. That's wonderful. And then the part we want to help him with, which really all of us have to work on ourselves is how we then express that feeling especially anger how do we express it in a a healthy way or in a way that doesn't not just hurt other people but hurt us too because we get hurt by that and so that's what it seems like you're working on uh, you're going to work on with him how much you know if you had to talk about the anger in the home um, between you and their dad and just in general how is that
0: I don't get angry at all. My husband is a very calm person, but when he gets angry, he doesn't do anything, but he shouts sometimes like, why are you doing this? Or, you know, go to your room or these things happen, but Uh not often, not often. He's a calm person, but all of a sudden he gets out, you know, when he doesn't, when they do something wrong, uh, usually.
1: Well, I mean, that has I think an effect he got you know. that from, yeah. from that
0: side <laughs> right. Well,
1: and it's not just dad's side as far as a genetic thing, but modeling, you know, he's seeing that. And something i I always talk about is how anger is this emotion that almost almost in every family, I feel like it's been modeled poorly. In most families, either people don't show anger at all. they hold it and hold it and hold it in, and they express it in really hurtful ways. They explode. And it's there's really isn't a lot of the healthy in-between of letting someone know, you know what, I'm really angry at you right now. That really hurt my feelings. That made me upset. Right. And they don't get a lot of that modeling. So that's something you got. You can even keep in mind too. For yourself and your husband, how are we expressing I keep, anger?
0: I'm, you know, what, what you're saying, um, I've been practicing that. Mm-hmm. Now, when he does something wrong, or his sister, I keep telling him, you know, I'm very angry, I'm very disappointed at you. And um, I keep trying to say this you know so he would learn mm-hmm. and get you know not do the shouting and yelling i try to control myself and you know show them that i'm very upset at them um mm-hmm. but i really well, don't yeah. know yeah well I'm i mean saying.
1: you're showing them that you're upset but right in a way that's still calm or that you don't hurt them in some way that's what we're talking about and that that's good you, we want to for you to do that it, it seems like your son is having a hard time handling his emotions something we can call Uh, An issue of frustration tolerance, like when he gets upset, he gets overwhelmed, and maybe he reacts, which, again, is an issue for a lot of us. What are some of the things, can you tell me more examples of the behavior he does that you feel like concerns you?
0: Okay. um, For example, he doesn't like if someone spits Uh, at him. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) hold on,
1: hold on. But some of these things you're telling me, I I don't under... Like, of course. He doesn't like when someone spits at him. Do you want him to like when someone spits at him?
0: No, I don't like it, but he gets angry. and He He should get
1: very angry. He should get angry. That's disrespect. If someone spit, Imagine if you were walking on the street and someone spit on you.
0: Yes.
1: Right? I mean... But he
0: doesn't... I don't think, for example, if they have guests over and their kids go to his room and they're playing with him... And, you know, for example, their hands are very dirty and they touch him or they do something. Mm-hmm. I would like him to say, you know what? I don't want you to touch me. Go wash your hands and come back. You know, he says that first. But the second time, he gets at him. He just tells him, get out of my room. Okay. I don't want you in my room.
1: That, you know, that's not he, that's he
0: protects himself. He that's says good. what he has to say.
1: That's that. I'm but, not so upset about that. You know, maybe it, it is possible, like I was saying, he could have an issue of like frustration, tolerance, like things just really get to him and he doesn't know how to, something like that of the hands. But even that, I can see he doesn't like that. But I'm still struck by the fact that, you know, when I tell you, give me some examples that concern you, you say he doesn't like when people spit on him. I'm like, to me, that's great. I hope he really doesn't like when people disrespect him because that's not okay. You know, we want him to not like being, you know... if someone insults him, I hope he doesn't like that either. Now, yes, how he reacts and responds, I care about, but I don't want him to like that because that's a healthy sense of self. That if someone spits on me, I don't like that. I'm not going to accept that kind no, of disrespect. No, he, he
0: is really good at that. He doesn't accept, yeah. you know, right. things so, that he doesn't like it. He says it and he takes care of himself. He can protect himself. And most, of, lots of times at the school when things happen, said why did Why didn't you ask? help like i can take care of myself (laughs) you know So he's that type of a person but um for example if my daughter teases him a lot i try to keep them separated Uh as much as i can but unfortunately we live in the same house and you know and she knows what to do that triggers his anger and um she's the one with more issues than him he he really doesn't have that many issues this is the only thing that i'm worried about about him yeah so it's
1: Um, interesting that your focus like even in calling me was about him
0: yes because (laughs) daughter of my daughter is a long story um uh, i would talk to you if you have time but
1: um, well we have about nine eight nine minutes so maybe we don't have a lot of time for it and but it's just and the reason i'm just mentioning that is now maybe you're saying you you brought him up because it's more of a timing issue but it, it seems like it makes me feel like you might be focusing on him or judging him more negatively than you judge her. You no, know, or...
0: I'm not judging him negatively at all. Um, I just want to know what I can do for him. Well, how can I teach him mm-hmm. to not you know, burst out or you know, show reactions so quickly? Yeah. Or but... just, you know.
1: Okay. Well, one, you know, one thing you can do, um, this is one of those things, it's kind of like physical exercise, it's good for everyone, is meditation. Uh, you can actually practice it with him or say, you know, and and you want to be very clear not to make it because you have this anger problem or because this, but, you know, maybe even as a family, you start to do it more. And meditation is something that can help for all of us become more calm and and a little bit more in control in that way. But especially what you're talking about, where he gets maybe too riled up, it helps Mm -hmm. with that. And obviously it's not a quick fix. It takes some time, but, you know, you could practice meditation with him and there's, I don't know, the names of them off the top of my head but there's definitely online you can watch videos and things but books yeah on right? meditation for kids and it's great and they do meditation and even preschools they're starting at some place and they're seeing great effects especially exactly with what you're talking about or just getting a little bit more of a handle of their feelings so that they can handle those feel the big feelings in a good way um, but him being upset by what you've described to me so far makes sense. So tell me more about what is it that he does that you know? Again, him being upset about being spit on, I think, is makes sense. What is it that? How does he react? Uh, that's so extreme. Just,
0: uh, smash the door, at the kids, and just get okay, out. What do you by smash? Oh, Sometimes slam the door. Kicks. Sorry. Oh, like, you by
1: smash the door, I mean he slams the door. Like he not he, he doesn't break yes. the door. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay.
0: He doesn't. He doesn't. He asks them to get out of his room,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and um, sometimes he kicks. He hasn't done anything at the school—no kicking, no hitting. Okay. But at home, he does it to his sister. Uh It's okay. been better. But that's you know that's recently. not. I mean,
1: me and my brother would hit each other too sometimes. So I mean, it's not. Okay. <laughs> I don't want you, It's not the. Okay, that uh, makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I you know I I'm not saying that makes it okay or, but it's pretty well, common. It's not like if you told me. He's kicked her before, and especially when you say she intentionally bothers him. This is kind of some of the sibling rivalry and teasing, and they're virtually the same same age, 11 and 10, I'm guessing, something like that. Right. So, yeah. you know...
0: And when he's really tired, if something like this happens, um, for example, last night, he packed everything for his field trip. They were going on a field trip, and then he asked his sister to not come into his room three times, and then she came. She found a way to come in, and then she walked on his things, and then she started... I saw him... You know, he wanted to cry,
4: hmm. and I'm like,
0: "It's all right, you know. Um, I understand." But, you know, I didn't say don't cry. I said you can cry if you want to. But I felt really sad for him.
1: Yeah, but even the way you said, although you're saying I told him it was okay for him to cry, I felt like you didn't want him to cry. Not like I. No, I, I... I
0: didn't. I felt sad. Yeah. Seeing him sad.
1: Yeah, which I understand. I which makes sense. To... And you can express that to him. That that was. I don't. You know what your sister did was not fair i mean the way you're describing right. she I walked like on his she things can lock
0: the door so she cannot yeah. come inside you know find a way um you and know, i would talk so. to her
1: too about that saying you know this is not okay and i mean i don't know how things go in your home but just you know it, it's not fair to him that if she walks in and walks over his stuff of course he should be upset And if he wants to cry you you should i would almost not that i'm saying make him cry but i the way you told me it was almost like you were discouraging him from crying I would mm-hmm. stay there with him, hold him, hug him, let him know, gosh, that, must, that was really unfair. You took your time to prepare all your stuff. You specifically right. asked your sister not to come in because it was so important for you, to for your things to be set up, you know, the certain all way. Right. I, I don't know exactly the details, but somehow really show him you get it. It makes sense. That was really hurtful what she did.
0: Dr. the one more thing yeah. is, um, you know, I've been to therapy with the kids, and mm-hmm. the other thing is, they're telling me, I don't think this is fair, but they're telling me I'm giving so much attention to him that my daughter feels left out, and she tries to get attention from doing bad things. Um, she's a really hard kid, and I'm spending so much more time with her, but still, you know, I don't see any anything nice, not, nothing. She don't, I don't see anything nice from her, you know what I mean, she doesn't hug me, she does, she's not hugging, she's not kissing, she's not, she doesn't want to talk, but he's the one who wants to talk, who's touchy, you know he gives me hugs, he tells me, he loves me a hundred times in a day mm-hmm. um, so I you know, I don't know how to say what? that, and she doesn't like it, but when I go to her start talking to her, I want to hear you, so, well everything was fine um, but I want to kiss her, she just brings, you know, her face in front of me, like, you kiss me, that's it
1: <laughs> well, you know, you're, as you probably know, your kids don't owe you anything um, and you have to, your job is to make sure that you love them equally. Does that mean love them the same? No, because they're different, but you want to make sure because kids almost always feel a difference. Like one kid is preferred over the other as much as mm-hmm. parents try not to. And you one of your responsibilities is to not have them feel that way, to not make them feel that. So even look at what you did. You called me and you asked me about your son. You didn't talk about your daughter. And the way you're even talking about her is in this uh, negative way. Like she's the problem. My son just has one problem. Let's just fix him and make him perfect. And then my daughter (laughs) is just going to be the problem kid. And that's not good. So she probably is feeling that. And you have to look at yourself and your own childhood too. We don't have, we have about three minutes, so we won't get to really delve into it, but something in therapy, or if you want to call back, we can talk a bit more about it because even there could be some things you're projecting onto your daughter about yourself as a child, you know, your own childhood experiences, and maybe you connect to her and relate to her in some way. And you're, you're acting that out in some way or something else is going on. But I do get this feeling in how you're talking that, and even again, the fact that you called and talked about him um, there is this favoritism that could be going on. And of course she's going to feel that. And you have to accept that I'm supposed to just shower them both with love, not because then if I, you know, he hu- he's going to hug me more, so I want to give him more love. Or even if I give her love, she doesn't give it to me back. So what's the point? You're supposed to just give them love and love and love and love and love, and you might not get nothing back. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay. But I think even in what you're describing, there could be something there where she... Feels a little left out, and even the way that you know he she teases him sounds like a kid who's trying to get attention. Right? Oh, he said, right, "Don't right, go into my exactly. room," so I'm specifically going to go in his room and step on his stuff. So maybe she has an anger towards him for being favored, and so that's what she's doing. And so she
0: definitely does anger against him. Yeah,
1: and but we have to recognize how he, you might contribute he, he, to that. You might be contributing a, by the favoritism oh, yeah. could contribute to her feeling like you know she feels powerless. But one thing she can do is hurt him. You know, right. even though she's but really the angry thing at is, you,
0: It's just—you um, know—there's a very close in age. You might be right, and you might—I might—I don't know—do things. I give him favor, but in everything they do. He is better than everything. So but she feels t- but that that's even you c- okay, though right. it's nothing that we show. He doesn't he doesn't come home and say I got the straight A's. He never does that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't come home, I did this, I did that. But she feels it and she sees it. Sure. And she's older, you know, I'm sure she gets hurt and I feel bad. I feel bad that she's hurt.
1: But so if you feel bad that she's hurt, you don't have to, to to lie to them and say their grades are equal, but make sure she feels that you appreciate her for who she is. Their grades don't are not that big of a deal. I mean, they're in like fifth grade, sixth grade. Even when they're older, it's not going to matter to me. They have to feel from you that you love them for who they are as a person. Oh, you did this or you did that or let's talk. And okay, you don't want to talk to me. That's okay. You want to talk to me. It doesn't mean I'll love you more if you talk to me. I'm okay. giving you your space. So make sure she feels loved and appreciated for being whoever she is. That's really your your role as a parent is not to make them become something, but to make them feel loved and lovable being just as they are. And especially here, we it, it's clear that there is this distinction of her kind of being the problem kid and he's better in every way, the way you even said it yourself right now pretty much. That she's You're right, she will see that, but you have to make sure that she sees that you love her equally as her daughter, as you do your son, not, well, yeah, your son, your brother is better than you at most things. So I like him more and I'm not going to give you as much positive attention. And so if you do give her more positive attention, I'm not saying when she does something bad, give her positive attention. If she hurts him or something, but I'm saying for other things, make sure you make an effort to find things, connect with her. What are her interests? What does she like to do and make her feel better about herself? And I think again, The fact that you called and asked about him when you're saying she has more problems is very reflective of what's going on. And I wish we had more time to talk. I do have to end the show. But maybe we can talk again about this if you want to call back.
4: Sure, thank you so much. Yeah, it was nice talking to you. Sure,
1: sure. Have a great day.
4: You too. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Thank you to all the callers and listeners out there and Farhuda here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalaqui. Have a wonderful day.